Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius speaks to us across the centuries from the year 161. Observe constantly that all things take place by change and accustom yourself to consider that the nature of the universe loves nothing so much as to change the things that are. This is a sermon about transition. Years ago, for a reason I can't remember, trying to reassure musician Pete Donnelly that all would be well, I invoked the ancient wisdom When one door closes, another door opens. Without missing a beat, Pete deadpanned, yeah, but it's hell in the hallway. After Jungian psychologist Mondi Bridges was diagnosed with breast cancer, she said, this positive thinking stuff is junk. But then, so is negative thinking. They both cover up reality, which is that we just don't know what's going to happen. That's the reality we have to live with. It's easy to see why people take refuge in optimism or pessimism. They both give you an answer. But the truth is, we just don't know. Don't know is hard going. It is also a place of pure possibility. French essayist and critic Charles Dubot wrote, the important thing is this, to be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we could become. I hope you had the opportunity to hear Beth Robbins' sermon last Sunday on the spiritual practice of intention. I haven't stopped thinking about Beth's yoga instructor, Jurian Hughes, who names her greatest accomplishment as smoking her last cigarette. Before I made the decision to quit smoking, she says, I projected myself 10 years into the future. I saw who I would become if I continued smoking. I could easily imagine what my body would feel like, the quality of my life, chest pain as I walked up subway stairs, the smell of my apartment, clothes, and hair. I had a very real and tangible sense of who I would become if I continued down that road, and I knew it was not who I wanted to be. I wanted to be another woman, she says, a physically fit, vital, bright, hopeful, engaged person, and I could see very clearly that if I continued smoking, I was not going to get there. So I stopped immediately. That was it. 
Sometimes we choose change. And sometimes change happens to us. Either way, there's some acclimatizing to that new normal. That's transition, the process of letting go of the way things used to be and taking hold of the way they become. We're invited to choose to do it well, consciously, carefully, and courageously. Mondi Bridges shares a memory from her childhood on California's Stinson Beach. In the fun house at Playland, they had a huge disc on the floor that spun, and when it stopped, all of us children ran and sat on it. As it began to spin, we would be whirled off the disc. Only the person at the center would stay on until the operator stopped it from spinning. Resisting transition, we just want to breathe a sigh of relief that the great storm is over and settle into that quiet center. But that's not how it works. We resist letting go of the old. We resist that chaotic, confusing, and uncomfortable in-between. And we resist risking a new beginning. We resist transition not because we can't accept change, but because we can't accept letting go of that part of ourselves that we had to give up when the situation changes. On the surface, it might look like what we have to let go of is a job, a home, a relationship, a dream. But what we're really letting go of isn't so much the thing itself as the unrealized hopes we had for it. French author and philosopher Paul Valéry says, every beginning ends something. If we find ourselves restless, even when we think we should be happy, an important question to ask ourselves is, what do I need to let go of? Even in happy transitions, the endings we experience can trigger mourning for what's good about what we left behind. Transition is so much more than simply how we get from here to there. It's really about paying attention, honoring what's past, and then letting it be past. In 1909, a Dutch anthropologist named Arnold van Gennep published a book called Rites of Passage, the first Western attempt to understand the rituals with which indigenous peoples all over the world negotiate the turning points in their lives, especially birth, coming of age, marriage, childbirth, becoming an elder, and dying. Dr. van Gennep actually invented the term rites of passage, which he describes as rituals designed to help a person release their old identity and become someone new. In each ritual, people were intentionally separated from their old world, led into a literal or figurative wilderness, and reincorporated with new identities. I haven't read Herman Hesse's Siddhartha in many, many years. But I remember Vasudeva, the ferryman he meets at the river's edge. 
Vasudeva says, I have taken thousands of people across, and to all of them, my river has been nothing but a hindrance on their journey. They have traveled for money and business to weddings and on pilgrimages. The river has been in their way, and the ferryman was there to take them quickly across this obstacle. However, amongst the thousands that have, there have been a few, four or five, to whom the river was not an obstacle. They have heard its voice and listened to it. And the river has become holy to them, as it has to me. Arnold Van Gennep taught us that a good ritual isn't just about embracing and celebrating the new. It's about acknowledging and releasing the old. Florida Scott Maxwell writes, life does not accommodate you. It shatters you. Every seed destroys its container, or else there would be no fruition. I once had a coworker whose parents had died in a car accident on her 10th birthday. We were very big on birthdays in our workplace, and this was a source of tremendous pain for her. After we became friends, I finally realized that it might go better if we could acknowledge her deep sorrow, lament with her, and when she was ready, embrace her as a circle of friends, her chosen family. We designed an elaborate ritual. Under a bowl of stars, we sat in a circle on a rocky outcrop, honoring the spirit of her parents who had brought her into the world. She lit a candle for each year of her life and told the whole story of her early happy years, her shattering loss, and how she had survived. We sat in silence, bearing witness to the full catastrophe. When she had finished, we rose in celebration of the courageous ways in which she had gone on, and we sang Fire, transform me. Bring me to my passion. I choose life. I choose courage to dance among the flames. I like to think it was a good ritual, though she may just have been ready to be done with so much sadness. My friend emerged from that dark night truly changed, freed, and empowered to celebrate once again. We can do that for each other. At best, transition renews us. I'm thinking of a great story that emerged from an outward bound trip on Utah's Green River. On the first night, the rafting guides explained that each guest would be given the opportunity to guide their boat for part of each day, and everyone would have a shot at guiding through at least one significant set of rapids. Each of the three couples on the trip was asked to ride in separate rafts to give everyone a powerful individual experience. The husband of one of the couples argued that none of this was going to happen to his wife. She was shy and fearful, he said. She wouldn't be comfortable being alone with people she didn't know. 
This raft trip was supposed to expose her to something new and exciting, but there were limits to what he wanted to put her through. He was real proud of her, he said, but the little lady would be passing. The rest of the group snuck discreet looks at his wife to see how she was taking all of this. She sat silently in her not very outdoorsy clothing, smiling deferentially. Four days later, everyone had had a great adventure on that wild river in a stunningly beautiful canyon. And for most of them, the high point of the trip so far had been the few intense hours when they had sat in the stern bellowing forward, right, left, back, hard, trying to avoid the car-sized rocks with the awful sucking sound coming from behind them. On that last afternoon, each raft had just one person who had not yet captained. Everyone got into place, except, of course, for the little lady. Just before they started down the last rapids, an argument broke out on that couple's raft, but it was the last one in the queue, and the rest of the boats were quickly out of earshot. After they'd made it through, they all turned around to watch that last boat come down, and there was an amazing sight. Here it came, not always pointing forward and hitting a lot of rocks as it barreled through, but with the little lady calling out commands in a surprisingly loud voice. Everyone was speechless. As her raft drifted up to the others, they sat in silence as she commanded her crew to backwater. The raft turned slowly and bumped to a rest. The little lady was breathing heavily. Her husband appeared to have stopped breathing altogether. Well, she said in a voice of someone who has just made up her mind about something, when we get back to the cars, I'll be looking for a ride home to Denver. Any offers? Beloved spiritual companions, it's hell in the hallway. We just don't know what's going to happen. The important thing is this to be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we could become. Every seed destroys its container or else there would be no fruition. We are invited to choose to do it well, consciously, carefully, and courageously. Let us invoke our little lady and power through the rapids. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.